This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, joined, as always, by the great, the very great, Bob Castrone. What's up, pal? How you doing, man? It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a little while. I guess a while for us is like six days Yeah, since I've seen you. Yeah. It, it feels it like long. It's endless, Bob. I, I missed you so much. Uh, thank you to everyone. Our, uh, our podcast, of course, uh, launched and... Uh, the Oasis Be Here Now episode. A lot of on both sides of the pond, Bob. We got a lot of good feedback. It's very, it's very uh, nice to hear from everyone and get this thing rolling. Yeah, you are. You're an international celebrity. Like I've I've worked with people <laughs> before who have like fan bases, but you're legitimately the only person I know who probably has a bigger fan base overseas than you do in your own home. Well, it's funny you should say that, Bob, because literally your home. I mean, like in your house. In my house. Yeah, yeah. I'm not very well liked here. Uh, it's funny you should say that, Bob, because and notice how I never stopped you at any point while you were going through all that. You started touching yourself as I said that. <laughs> you got way into me complimenting you. Isn't that what this podcast is for? Kind of. You and I to be in a garage together and for weird stuff to go down. That's why you signed up for the podcast, right? I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Uh, we have a guest today. How we, exciting is this? Is that what this guy is doing here? Yes, he is. And if you are a uh, a listener of, of the Throwback Podcast and you know the show because you know that I host the Around the NFL podcast over at NFL.com, uh, you know the man sitting in the garage. Oh, my God. It's Mark Sessler. What's How up, are you? I'm, what a pleasure to be here. You know, within five minutes of arriving, the two of you very skillfully ejected Emily, Dan's wife, from the garage. She came in to try to witness a little bit of the show. And it really is about the two of you spending time together. That's it was, what I it was very cu- It was very cute that she wanted to be a part of this. Uh, I know. Not as cute the way that we told her to get out and close the door behind her. I know. I love my wife, and I, I love hanging out with her. Mark, you know, I'm very... Famously, I don't like to, to talk to people I don't know. Right. I like to stay in my home mostly and, and spend time... Homebody. ...with my wife. I'm... I'm Yes, I'm the ultimate homebody. But Emily sitting over my shoulder, it just wasn't going to fly, especially <laughs> given, and we're going to get to it, I don't want to ruin the surprise, although you know from the title of this podcast what we're going to be talking about. Uh, this album in particular is not an album necessarily that I, I want my wife to be uh, over my shoulder as I talk about some different elements of it. Put it that way. You're protecting her. In a way. And yeah. Isn't that the job of a man? It is. Is to protect his wife. We're we're banking on every week our wives not listening to this, basically not supporting this endeavor, so we can be honest about things in our past, especially things that may have happened in the summer of two thousand two, when right. this album came out. Well, good luck with that. The, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the album that we're going to talk about today, Bob, came out when August two thousand two. Dan. Whoa. You know what else happened in August two thousand two? Let's hear it. Mark, do you know? Well, many things, but I will allow you to give us the bullet points. Perfect. Nicholas Cage married Lisa Marie Presley at the Mona Lanai, Mona Lanai Bay Hotel on the Big Island of Hawaii. That was stupid. <laughs> what is she doing? What was she doing? I guess she was so... I don't want to... Lisa could be listening, obviously, but 
she married Michael Jackson, obviously a troubled soul. Sure. And then Your she, she marries Nick Cage, who's everyone knows and we love him for it as a crazy person. What does that mean? Quite a bounce back. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's like the one case of somebody marrying Nicolas Cage and it being a step in the right direction. I guess. Well, yeah. <laughs> Are they still together? Did that work? <laughs> no, they did not oh. work. He, he married What's again. What's your definition of working? Yeah, it's maybe, true. You know, who knows? What maybe that's he, what yeah. they wanted from it. All right. What um, What else is in the, in the news box? Honestly, light news month. So let's just go right to, uh, <laughs> that was really the biggest thing to have happened. Really? Unless you want to count the Baywatch actress Yasmeen Bleeth wed a strip club owner. In Santa Barbara. Wait, did that work out? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Movies that came out in August 2002 by Big Fat Greek Wedding, Spy Kids 2. Wait, everybody's got to slow down with my Big Fat Greek Wedding. It made like $300 million. (laughs) And does anybody actually like that movie? Moms. Salt in the theater. have no idea what tugged me into the theater to see it, but it cost 10 bucks, I believe. Probably a woman, (laughs) right? At if, at that time, you're right. At that time, you're right. At exactly that month and year, yes, it was. I would, I would like to see that on the DVD box cover. It cost 10 bucks, I believe, Mark <laughs> Sessler. <laughs> All uh, right. Signs, by the way, was the other big movie that came out. Oh, mm, you know what? Good. We saw that in the theater together. People sleep on Signs a little bit. The scene in Signs when uh, Jacqueline Phoenix is <laughs> watching close. TV right as the aliens are taking hold. And I'll, Shout out to M. Night, who might be listening also. Um, uh, when they're watching the news telecast and it's like, and this was taken at a kid's birthday party in Mexico city and the alien, uh, runs through the background and then makes eye contact and runs away. One of the more effective, like creepy moments of the aughts for me watching a very freaky cinema. scene. I have to agree with that. The, the movie to me, uh, doesn't entirely live up to the M night, uh, billing that came with it, but, uh, it, it worked. It, I, I remember uh, making fun of it a lot after seeing it, uh, especially because of the whole the logic of these aliens were defeated by water. You know, like there was a lot of like that a, feels like it's a cop out. You know what? You're right, because the same thing happened a couple of years later. War of the Worlds, which obviously was not uh, was from way back from the, the book. But at the end of that movie. It was like sunshine or something that killed yeah, the aliens. I mean, it's really... It's like, what are we doing here? But no. I will say, it says something Give about... Give the a, aliens a little more credit. It says something about even a bad movie where it sticks with you to the point where here we are today, 15 years later, and if my wife leaves like six half-filled glasses of water in the house, I will reference the movie Signs. Also, by the way, aliens... That's a good odds callback, Bob. It is. You'd think they'd be good scouts of what planet they're, they're going to invade, and the, and the planet is essentially made of like 75% plus of the one maybe thing at, that can defeat them. Atmosphere as yeah. well. Yeah, maybe stay away from this one. Yeah. Okay, Bob. Uh, <laughs> hey, do you want to know what was on the cover of Maxim that month? I would love to know. Always, Bob. Uh, a musician, actress, double threat, named Beyonce... <laughs> Mm. She did Maxima. Build as Austin Powers Beyonce. Oh, there you go. Mm. And the uh, the line underneath, gold members, shagadelic squeeze. She's no man, baby. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> that's Beyonce. That is royalty. And that's how Maxim treated her in 2002. Rough origin story. <laughs> that's a, This was 15 years ago. It's crazy that this was 15 years ago. But Imagine if that came out today. Yeah, that would be that would dominate uh, Twitter. Imagine, <laughs> Mark. Imagine because we uh, at the NFL, we need to be tracking TweetDeck uh, twenty the entire shift 
to ensure that we don't miss anything at any moment, Mark. Right. Uh, Nonstop. NFL news is very important. Imagine what would happen if there was a magazine that said, she's not a man, baby. <laughs> I uh, it would listen. There's a lot of nonsense that filters into our lives that would not even be the high water mark. It would be fantastic. <laughs> Anything else, Bob? Finally, the number one song in America when this album came out was this one. Ah, uh, speaking of Beyonce. Nope. Nelly featuring Kelly Rowland Dilemma Mark you're four years five years older than Bob and I who is Kelly Rowland pop quiz I'm failing the first pop quiz that I've, I've ever taken on this show <laughs> sounds mildly familiar she was one of the other people in Destiny's Child with Beyonce I, sh- I should know more of these things no, that's you okay yeah. you're fine not knowing okay that. it's fine <laughs> this song, fine. This song is objectively poor right this is also like a large rehashed remake of another the other elements. Here, of turn song. it up a little bit, Bobby. Nelly had a nice little career there for a while. He had the number yeah. one song in America prior to this one as well that summer. Um, I can't remember. Hot which in one here, though. probably. Hot in here was a banger. He also he had country grammar. Yeah, Nelly was good, but we're not talking about Nelly tonight. Oh, we're not. I no, thought we were. No, <laughs> no. Mark, what album are we doing tonight? We are doing an incredible album by Coldplay. I want you to announce it. <laughs> you definitely did not choose the album. <laughs> <laughs> I just so many lava. I will jump in. A rush of blood to the head by Coldplay. Yes. Uh, two thousand two. It came. What day, Bob? Do you know? Can you give us specific details? Because that's what people come to here. <laughs> no, it's not. What are you for? trying to do right now? It was the, it was the end of August, uh, and we're gonna listen to this album track by track. Go through it. And uh, we're going to start with the first one, if Dan's ready. Uh, I am almost ready. And I can tell you this, this would be, I would label this album as one of the defining albums of my 20s. This album, Rush of Blood to that. So I'm happy that we're talking about it. Me too. Love Coldplay. All right, here we go. We'll start with track one, Politic. Bob, now you and I, my bosom buddy, Booby, so many things that we've gone through together. I remember back at Northeastern, um, the college that I went to in Boston, uh, picking up parachutes uh, when you were visiting in town, and we listened to it in my dorm on Huntington. That was 2000. This, But that was a totally different album, and it was a very popular album. Uh, but then this second album from Coldplay came out, and Politic was interesting in that it completely set the stage for, wait, this is not going to be the album that you heard. It's not going to be the sad boy Britpop, post-Britpop. Uh, totally different type of music. Let's listen to a little bit of it.
Dan headbanging during politic right there. This is, I mean, listen, I'm one of the great hard rockers that anybody knows. No, no, nobody rocks Checks harder out. to Coldplay. Than <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I was kind of headbanging because, uh, for the record, I wasn't headbanging. My head was going up and down. That's a bang. That's as close as I'll get. Because this, this right off the bat, Mark, this was a different type of sound for Coldplay in a fun way. What, what is your history? When this album came out, were you plugged in on that first Coldplay album? I absolutely was. I mean, and for me, it's probably very similar to other people. Yellow, I, it, it blew my mind. And the video, too, just everything about it. And I was, I was in a very uh, up-and-down sort of raucous relationship from that period up into this album, too. And Coldplay was a constant anthem in the background. And I will say one thing. This song, I think it sets the table. And it absolutely... One thing, I was taking notes in my car listening to this, just parked along the side street. It's almost like the dream is beginning, this song. this The, the whole mm, thing is starting. I like that. Listening to this album in a parked car on the side of the road is the perfect place to start. Yeah. Yeah. I have a very, very specific memory hearing Yellow for the first time. I was in college on, like that crappy college sofa that you have because somebody gave it to you at some point along the way and it's just like so much masturbation on that sofa just abused at like house parties and everything sex acts sure (laughs) with consenting adults hopefully probably the least of it though but a lot of masturbation let's let's keep it clean here I mean you did sleep on my couch more than once and now I'm really starting to reconsider how much masturbation was on it (laughs) I'll leave it at that All right, Um, but I remember just like you know being in that couch half asleep in the middle of the day on one of those days where like maybe a class was canceled but it was just you know you got to nap in college which was the most beautiful thing in the world that you don't get to do anymore and just like being about to fall asleep and for the first time the video for yellow came on and it was like the perfect song in that moment of my life and when i woke up i didn't know if it was a real song or not like i didn't know what who sang it what it was but like it was in my head for the rest of the day and then when I heard it again, I was relieved that I wasn't, um, well, I guess it's kind of sad that I wasn't like this genius who came up with yellow as I was falling asleep, <laughs> but true. it yeah, was, uh, yeah, I became a Coldplay fan immediately. Chris Martin looks like the most British person ever in that video. <laughs> well, that's, that is, I was thinking the same thing that if you were, cause that uh, yellow, can, of course we're not talking about yellow, but, or that album, but it all leads to this album and Chris Martin when that song came out, Yellow, and the video comes out, and he's walking on the beach, and he looks like he's 14 years old, and he looks very British mm-hmm. and very, like, common. There's nothing... Like, we we, talk, we just talked about uh, our first podcast where we talked about Liam Gallagher being the ultimate rock star. He had the haircut, the leather jacket, and the swagger. Chris Martin didn't have any of those things. He probably still doesn't really have any of those things. But the fact that he became one of the biggest music stars on the planet 15 years later, one of the greater upsets in the history of humanity, in my opinion. I'd agree with that. That Chris yeah. Martin is this famous now based on what you saw then. And I back to politic now. So Even his name, Chris Martin. Oh, it's a perfect name. <laughs> yeah. It is the perfect name for a guy that uh, he, the man walking on the beach, the, excuse me, the boy walking on the beach, that's a Chris Martin. That's Chris Martin. That's Chris. Yeah. Um, so... But that's why that this first song, Politic, was so shocking, was that it, it's it was a little like kinda sneaky, mature and a little heavy. And it was a, it was a sign of things to come for the or an album that was way 
way a big leap put it that way let's check out track two which is the first single uh on a rush of blood to the head yeah let's do that oh that's nice that's nice you know one of Coldplay's problems they and now they're you know one of the most famous bands in the world but does any does anybody know anybody else in Coldplay besides Chris Martin like for instance that's a really nice ringing guitar tone by the lead guitarist of Coldplay who is the lead guitarist of Coldplay I think I did know this at some point but it's gone I, I know their faces because I, I went down major Coldplay wormholes where I'd watch them like do radio interviews and I recognize them, some sort of semi-plump and unplump British men, but I don't know. The, I don't know. I don't know the. Wait, are you saying there's a bunch of fatties in no, Coldplay? No, there's just there's one guy that just look very <laughs> they British. Lose, they could lose a pound or two. Don't know their names though. Johnny Buckingham is that a guy? Uh, that's Buckingham's it's in the close. realm. It's that's close. something. Wait, close. let's listen to this chorus. This is a banger. Here comes that chime again by the guitarist that we do not know. I feel bad for him. I do know the drummer. He's doing fine. The drummer, because he has a really good name, Will Champion. Yeah. He's the drummer right. of Coldplay. I could tell you that. Hmm. Fat Willie, he's called. <laughs> Fatty McFatterson is the guitarist, though. <laughs> uh, this was... Um, all right, so this is a very... In, in terms of the time, Bob and I... Graduated from college uh, in the spring of 2002. So this really was the first big post-college album. Which uh, is weird because I, it, it absolutely came out after college, but I associate it with college, which I don't know how that works. Like in my brain, there are songs on here that remind me of my girlfriend from college, even though we were long broken up by this point. Here I, is I, the beauty. A boat. Well, Coldplay in general, but this album specifically, is that it is music made for the relationships of your youth. And even if it didn't come out when you were in college, it is rubber stamped in that era of your life. You're, for us, Bob, the early 20s, Mark, for you, your mid-20s. And there's no way not to connect the songs on this album as we go through them because they're very hard on the sleeve. It's romantic-type music. And and one of the Coldplay gifts that they have is that, and I know this because every girl I've ever been with since this band came out, it was always shared territory. Hundreds. The boys and the girls both, both like Coldplay, and uh, that leads to shared memories and how Absolutely. girls and this Absolutely. And this song, too, I there's a major theme in this album, and it begins here where he just chants over and over, I am lost, I am lost, I am lost. And I think in your 20s, even as you're surging forward, you're having new relationships, and it's Coldplay is shared, like you said, between you and the girlfriend, but the whole time I'm thinking, who am I and what am I doing? And Coldplay kind of kind of tapped into that for me. And for you, maybe you guys found yourselves at some point in your 20s. For me, it went deep into my 30s before I had any idea what I was doing, and I still don't. 
Well, there's no more. <laughs> Still don't. That's a separate podcast. I'm, we, yes, there it will is. Be, when Mark comes, that'll back, be a long one. The next time, it's 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 finding Mark's soul. Uh, but go ahead, Bob. Is there a more confusing time in your entire life, though, than the summer after you're done with college? Like oh. the summer going into the fall. Like summer's fine because you're used to having a summer at the end of a semester. But the August, September, October, in the year following, when you're either working or you're not. And everybody that's younger than you is going back to college and you're an adult for the first time. It's the most confusing fucking time. And I graduated in December, so it was about four degrees on top of all that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I totally know what you're saying, Bob, in the sense that uh, when you graduate college, you go through your senior year and you go through four years of college there is that sense when you're 22 and a college graduate that you have figured everything out. And once you get out of that world and you get spit out of that, I'm, I'm the man on campus. I got the girlfriend. I got, I got the classes. Everything's unlocked. And then you're at the bottom of the world again. It's kind of, it's kind of a mind fuck. It's a perfect time for Coldplay. I gotta give him credit. <laughs> I gotta, they knew that what? time was coming for almost every human. He's got a basic name. His name is Chris Martin. His guitarist has a weight problem. The drummer's got a great surname. <laughs> Speaking of Chris Martin, can I go full dad here? So amongst the three of us, we have six boys. That's right. Do uh, do we really? Yeah, that's kind of crazy, right? That's kind of like a little handsmaid tally, isn't it? <laughs> I haven't even uh, seen that show yet, but, but is it maybe, like is that what it's women about? are almost endangered? Sure. Isn't that the buzz around that show? Sounds like something. Uh, not a good situation. I thought you were having a math issue, which is no, no, it, we each have two, so that adds up to six. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do any of your kids watch Wild Kratts? It's like a PBS show about animals. No, I've not exposed no. them to PBS yet. I should. You know, it's coming up um, at some point. Are we society-wise post-PBS? I don't want to get into that. Save it for the PBS podcast. You know, Fred Rogers spoke to Congress in 1969 right, right. and saved PBS. Let, let me just make this point so we don't have to talk about PBS. But now it's 2017. Are you still, you're still on that hill for you're, PBS? Wait, so wait, this is a bold stance now. You're anti-public broadcasting. Well, where is that coming yeah, I know, from? Geez. It feels a little aggressive. Uh, all I wanted to say was this one I'm show. Pro Wild, Paw Patrol, that's it. This show Wild Kratz, which is, you know, lovely show. Uh, the two guys, it's like live action and animated. The two guys, their names are Chris and Martin. I love it. That's the whole story, guys. So that could have just been like a really quick, <laughs> quite a setup really for quick that. thing. Well, I didn't know we were to get into Fred Rogers' 1962 testimony. Uh, I met Mr. Rogers. This one is time. one of the best songs on the album. Can we hear about yes. it? I've been to many Coldplay shows, by the way, which is not humble brag. Not that no, it's not like the coolest thing to say. Be, Coldplay for the amount of success they've had. This album came out 15 years ago. Their debut album, where they got their first, you know, brush with fame, is 2000. Uh, even we, Mark, you, and we'll get to the Rose Bowl story. <laughs> Let's hold on that. That's so my wife's not listening they, to the show. Mark and I went to a concert with our wives uh, about 18 months ago where they played for 70,000 people. Unequivocally, a huge band. 
But it's not a cool thing to say you've been to many Coldplay concerts. Is it Judd Apatow's fault? Did they ever recover from the 40-year-old virgin, do you know how I know you're gay, you like Coldplay? Hmm. Because it gets time, put in that world where it's like it's just not edgy. It's not necessarily alpha male-ish to be like rolling around in your VW listening to Coldplay. Yeah, no, it's very, and I think what, and that by the way, just uh, at the time of this taping, the New York Times put out their top twenty-five movies of this century. You know, shout out to Judd by the way. Number twenty-five is the forty-year-old virgin, but that movie. That's that comment. You're right. That kind of encapsulated a belief like the public is that they maybe it was cold. Is Coldplay the genesis of this generation where they have a ton of fans? But if you vouch and pound the table for Coldplay, you're kind of seen as like a soft, quote unquote, wussy boy. Is that fair to say? Yeah, because at the same time, there was that scene and Chuck Klosterman writing in his book, like starting off his first book, Sex Drugs, the second book, Sex Drugs and Cocoa Puffs, with a chapter about how like tepid and terrible Coldplay is and how everybody who likes it is a moron. And so you have these two like... <laughs> Although we hip, should say that... These hipster culture things. Klosterman's first book, he probably wrote two chapters about how amazing and trenchant Warrant was. Right, right. So let's just, I mean... <laughs> no, but I'm fair. just saying... Passing opinions. I'm saying that in like that hipster culture where, you know, a band like Coldplay, like a British, you know, underdog kind of mopey rock band should be celebrated. But the fact that like you have guys like Chuck Klosterman and then the 40-year-old virgin just flat out calling it gay. Again, something you could do 12 years ago in a movie that would not be... Not now. Not now. Uh, I just don't think they ever recovered from that. I think it just became... Whoa, as so they became. They didn't recover. I, I'm talking in like the popular sentiment of what this band is. They became the, the gay, losery, mopey Coldplay band. Let, let me ask you this. Let's say you walked into the cozy in and up the street and you were like, you're, there's not a lot of people in there. You put cash into the jukebox... Would you be comfortable rolling out four or five Coldplay songs in a row and having everyone in the bar look at you and say, that's the guy who played a bunch of Coldplay? Yeah, no. And that's that's the weird thing. Because I stand by their music, that I'm a fan. I do too. Like, I'll do that. But I'll understand that there are people that will judge you for vouching Coldplay. It's interesting. We'll, we'll get back to that. But I will say, God put a smile upon your face. That's a really strong song that, again, we were talking about how we started this once we got into the album, how how different Parachutes, their first album, was from their second album. They they took a big leap, and that's why I still think it's their best album. Uh, now, back to the girlfriend angle, slash college girlfriend, slash your 20s girlfriend. Oh, boy. Here we go. This is why I didn't want my wife here, by the way. <laughs> Makes sense. Should we just listen to the whole thing and stare in different directions? <laughs> this is The Scientist. Uh, this is track four on a rush of blood to the head by Coldplay. Chris. Chris Martin. Take it away. Come up to me, Jim. Tell you I'm sorry. I 
want to get out. We should get out of the way for the chorus too. So while we have this pocket of time, um, so 2002, this comes out. I'm with my college girlfriend. Right. I have distinct memories of pulling up on my big bulky Dell laptop. You have to see this video, and it's it was a video that was shot in uh, reverse, shot in reverse yeah, the whole thing, right. and he lip synced, and it ends with a car crash. And uh, I have a distinct memory of my college girlfriend crying at the end of the video. Well, it's the number one song about seatbelt safety. That's ever. Oh, it's so key. Let's go back to the chorus. Bob's dead inside. All right, Bob, this feels like the perfect song to get into our uh, experience at the Coldplay concert. It was their <laughs> X and Y tour, which is the the follow-up album to this. Was that at PNC Bank, right? A PNC Bank Arts Center in Holmdale, New Jersey. The night before or the day before, we were at my parents' beach house with a bunch of friends, and then the next day we took the ride 30 minutes up the uh, Garden State to see Coldplay. And both of us were a little lovelorn at that time of our lives. And there was Coldplay again, framing the moment perfectly. Yeah, we went to that concert. How many of us were there? There were probably about at least 10 of us. Like, there were a lot of people that went to the show. Yeah, and which speaks to how huge Coldplay was in 2005. Yeah, like it was a no-brainer that we were all yeah. going to go to this thing. And we get to PNC Bank, and I'm sure we were drinking all day. Um, no, but I'm not sure how it happened. It happened very quickly, but somehow Dan and I, we had field seats, so we were sitting up in the field, but somehow Dan and I found I can't our, wait to find out what's next here. found our way into the actual seating. I do you want a we little stole more two clarity seats. on it? Yeah. Cause it's blurry for me because it was a hot ticket. When the tickets went on sale, we ended up getting, um, the equivalent, we, four to six uh, field level tickets which were in the back sitting on a hill the cheapest tickets in the house and then we had two tickets that were in the lower bowl which was close so we did have we had tickets for so that. there were let's say eight to ten of us and there were only two really good seats bob and i ended up having the two seats together and there's a reason <laughs> for that because there was no girlfriend right uh, to take it's a bunch point. of couples and stuff so the, the two lovelorn gentlemen wind up in these amazing seats we end up like 20 rows back from Coldplay as they're just singing the scientist chris martin is singing the scientist to our faces and we're both longing for our ex-girlfriends <laughs> at a simpler time in our lives but i mean to that point because bob we have talked about this before I'm trying to remember. It wasn't like Bob and I looked at each other with, with tears in our eyes and hugged. We, we held our head, we held hands and moment. looked straight ahead like men. Wasn't there a moment where we both realized, maybe this goes back to how long that, that we've been friends, Bob, but, uh, and we talked about it after the show that it was like, oh, that moment of the show was a pretty rough moment of the show <laughs> because this this album, uh, without giving any names, there was, a, there was a girl in Bob's life that had just exited the picture and then I had about 12 to 18 months earlier, my college relationship had ended and this band was too closely tied to that woman. And we were just dealing with that. And then you're at the live setting and you've been drinking and all of a sudden 
Chris Martin and Fatty McFatterson are, are, are doing their thing. Well, I think you were the one who said you've never cried or something in your life, Dan. Like, I, I am in a pretty <laughs> emotional person. And this is the kind of song that when you have just been through a breakup, or a lot of times you are fawning over someone, but you, you, and you mess the whole thing up. You mess the whole thing up. And he talks about wanting to go back to the start. I do think about if your mind works cinematically, that you could go crazy with this song, thinking of like a certain female every moment you had every image and it's just it's a heartbreaking song and it's a dangerous song to listen to if you're not in a good place that's very fair and if i would say pause this podcast if you are in a quiet place you're not driving and if you've never seen that video do check out that video that is one of my favorite videos ever if you are driving wear your (laughs) seatbelts that's the whole point of that video (laughs) buckle that bitch up they Let's talk about on. him actually mouthing the words in reverse on that video. That makes sense. That he had to do everything. He did, he, yeah. yeah they went, yeah, it's, yeah, the whole thing is in reverse, ending with a, a, a deadly car accident. And I think that was kind of a trailblazing type video because that's popped up occasionally in the years since. But I don't think ever, anybody had ever done it before, before then. So good job, Chris Martin. What's next? The biggest hit Coldplay ever had. Well, maybe not true, but hey, I the, wonder about that. I don't know. At this point, at this point, it was career, big. Speaking I was, of which, I want to put it in your heads uh, before I'm going to ask your favorite Coldplay song not on this album. So percolate that in the back of your brains if you have that type of mind power. And also, Mark, I know you're you're a huge fan of the Throwback. You've listened to every episode. Uh, you'll know that at the end of this episode, we have to pick one song to add to our Spotify playlist. Okay. So just keep that in your head. We're going to have to figure out what is the quintessential rush of blood to the head song. In the mind. Let's listen to a little bit of this. This is Clocks, track five, Rush of Blood to the Head. Obviously, a song that needs no introduction because it is one of the... They were very much a, an alternative rock band at this time. Has the, And this was this is their big crossover song. I don't know where this charted in terms of the Billboard hit, uh, Billboard charts, but it was a massive hit. Have there been any other alternative rocks, uh, alternative bands besides Coldplay that have had monster... Billboard hits, like pop hits. I'm sure the answer to that is yes. I, I, in terms of maybe Kings of Leon, there have not been a lot that have crossed over, and that's I'm giving credit to Coldplay in the sense that they've been able to do it multiple albums to here this extent, and after. Yeah, you might yeah, be right. I will say, I will say, I was working in the MTV News and Docs department when this came out. Humble brag. And not really. And um, <laughs> what a position. The bed of this song was in every single true life or MTV diary <laughs> or every, like every single episode used clocks because it was just like the perfect bed. Is this sound, Mark, this piano, this looping piano uh, riff, the most famous kind of riff in 2000s music? Like, is there anything more famous than this in terms of... I don't know if I'm qualified to answer that uh, specific question. But everybody question, knows but what is, this is. is this, is a, this is Coldplay. This was a 
This is an all-time, like, of that era hit. Power rankings, it's easily top three. I thought you were going to say piano song, and I was going to have to represent Ben Folds right now, so I'm glad you didn't go that way. So thank you for that. <laughs> ben Folds, by the way, as we'll get into, if, if, if U2 is the band I'll stump for, Bob will always go to the mat for Ben Folds and his five, which are actually three. We'll get there. We'll get there eventually. Quick U2 note. I On the first episode I listened to, I thought that Bob dropped the hottest take I've ever heard on a podcast when he blamed 9-11 on Bono. I, that was a hot take. That you was, know what? That was decisive. I'm standing by it because earlier that year, Dan and I made a bet before um, that All That You Can't Leave Behind came out. Dan bet me that it would sell 10 million copies. And I said, it will not, because, you know, who cares about U2 in 2001? <laughs> yeah. 9-11 happened. They jumped on it right away with all of these, we support America, listen to the song over and over again, walk on. Yeah. And they sold 10 million copies. And it got me thinking. By the way, the album that, came out before 9-11, but go on. No, I know. because oh, so they were part Bono, of it. It was all part of it. Right, yes. Right. Oh, so okay. it got me thinking. Like, it's a little That's, too, wait, you somehow made your take even hotter. Yeah, a little too convenient. <laughs> A little too convenient <laughs> that this album came out, then we had an American tragedy, and they were just ready to go with a perfect single. Come on. Bono, I, Bono knew. You've got yourself for this show. It's a saucy, it is a saucy take. I can't even, I will stay away from it. It's so hot. I will say Bob has struggled in like big time bets with me. <laughs> he is, always loses. That is, that is accurate. <laughs> that is very accurate. Anytime there's, there's a really furious level of heat between Bob and I on a wager, I have come ahead. Uh, this, the U2 selling 10 million copies of that album, big victory. The other one was <laughs> in 2009 or 10, uh, it was, what was it, Bobby? It was fucking License to Wed, right? Was that the name of the movie with John Krasinski and Robin Williams? <laughs> yes. What? Right, was that the name of the movie, License <laughs> yes, to Wed? Yes, it was something like yeah. that. That movie was coming out, and I, I bet that America was dumb enough to make that it would make like fifteen million dollars, its opening weekend, and right, it was between ten and fifteen, probably. That wasn't even the bet I was talking about, Bob. Oh well, that was another bet I lost. <laughs> Are these yeah. bets made in sobriety? Where what is happening when this? They're very is, sober. These... I don't. I don't feel like I ever actually make anything off these. I was talking about how I I, I guaranteed you that the show with Melissa McCarthy. Oh, and the heavyset yeah. gentleman. What was that called? Uh, uh, Mike and Molly. Mike and Molly would last longer than shit my dad says with, with William, William Shatner. Shatner. Yeah. And Mike and Molly did 137,000 on episodes, and shit my dad said did like four episodes. That was a bad year for me with bets. <laughs> because with License to Wed, too, it ended up not making a lot of money that first weekend. License and went, to Wed! And went on to make a lot of money. So I was kind of fucked twice because I bet on America being terrible enough to make it a lot of money, and I lost. You losing money in these bets or something else? I think he, never pays, he never pays me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's convenient. Countless defeats he's taking. <laughs> Let's listen to the song. Right. Daylight. Track six. So anyway, Clocks, that was the song that uh, put this thing into orbit as one of the uh, biggest albums of the decade. Uh, Daylight was not a single, but again, I'll, again, I'm going to pound the table for what a step forward. And I liked Parachutes a lot. And by the way, a little shout out to Travis, mm. who got swept away post Britpop. Uh, Travis, the band from Scotland. I feel like the first Coldplay album was essentially they were trying to be Travis. 
And then they put out this album and they left Travis in the dust. But I'm still going to say, Travis, I know you helped Coldplay figure out who they were. I'm with you on the Travis front. And, you know, I don't know where Bob stands, but I may be the only other person with you at this point on the Travis front. <laughs> I love awesome. Travis. Three of us. Bob does love Travis, yeah. actually. We're unified. Yeah. But the point I was trying to get to is that, again, this is another example, although this wasn't a single, that their music had really progressed very quickly over two years, uh, and they had blown away bands like Travis, and they were doing their own thing. Let's listen to it. Bob, where does this album rank A Rush of Blood to the Head? Is it in your top 10 2000 to 2009 albums? Yeah, I would say so, probably. Because I'm kind of curious about where, what, do, what are your true feelings about Coldplay? Let's share. <laughs> Let's let it out, Bob. I big re- picture sense. Big picture sense. I feel like uh, Parachutes and this album were huge albums for me in my life at the time they came out. Uh, X and Y, Viva La Vida, less so. And I have not enjoyed the late period Coldplay, Everybody Dance Now uh, routine. I get that. Like, I, I find myself, I do kind of come back and I like him more than I think I do. Like when that last single came out, I feel like you and I emailed about how terrible it was. And then two weeks later, we both loved it. So mm. like it, like I appreciate it for what it is now, but I don't really care about Coldplay in this form. I do like Ghost Story. I like a lot of their later stuff, and I the divorce album. I I love. I think you, yeah. you're asking my favorite song for me. They're one of the that's one of the few albums where the whole thing to me is one piece of music that I I love from start to finish. But I did disappear from them for a while. Uh, it's the early stuff that connected, I think, what we're talking about with this lost 20s period, that they were the perfect band for that. Um, good takes, guys. <laughs> that, would, that would be, I'd say, my least favorite song so far on this album. Not that it's a bad song. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting, because I, t- I was taking notes, and I just wrote, annoying to me. <laughs> like I, and, and it, That's strong. <laughs> uh, that's strong, because I was trying to get through these, I was yeah, trying yeah. to get through them, but it was like, it's the midpoint of the album, and I think there's much stronger elements mm-hmm. to this to this album. So let's move on. We're connecting to track seven. Well, I like daylight, so you guys can go fuck yourself. Right, you can have it. <laughs> now this is a home run. All right, so pulling back the curtain here. So my beautiful wife Emily just walked in. Oh no! God, I love you. Um, and you know, again, this is a tough tough album to separate from the time it came out eh, this song's one of those songs for me hmm. me too maybe this was the moment in the concert because you know ex ex girl green eyes you know so that's enough right there oh it's one of those funny music things where you are done for if any <laughs> the body part or the eye color lines up and you, you can't get away from it right uh and this was this this song mark this one was for the ladies yeah, it was for his uh, girlfriend pre Gwyneth Paltrow, from yes. what I understand. Let's uh, listen to this because this is nice. I came here with a love, and it feels so much Classic Chris Martin. Do you think he should have 
maybe gone the Bono route? Should he have come up with a, a name other than Chris Martin? <laughs> this has been a theme of this show, so it's, uh, I think I know what you think. Uh, I think it fits him, though. It fits him. It does fit him. So I don't. No, I don't think he should have. I, th- I think this all worked out for him. He's a total Chris Martin. Emily, do you know the name of the guitarist of Coldplay? She's shaking her head. She Negative. Know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Mark says he has a weight problem. No, I said he has a... He said a few members of the band have weight no, problems. No, he just has a very... He, they just look very British to me. And that doesn't suggest that British people have weight problems. That I, I'm not helping myself at all here. Um, do you guys think it could have worked out, though? Like if I went back to Maryland and... Oof. Oh, man. It's... Sorry. Oh, wait, let's listen to the chorus. Okay. This will make us cry. Let's all cry together. I really wish I could... That line. I really wish I could... I, I learned to play the guitar. It just never happened. It just never happened. If I ever did learn to play the guitar, and it was like 2003, I would have been banging out green eyes. Repeatedly, yeah, I, I could say that alone. Is there a, like a Jeff Tweedy Wilco shared DNA in this song? Am yeah, I am I way probably, off on that? No, it just this feels is definitely the most like alt countryish type style in that Wilco-y way. So Green Eyes, that's track seven. We move on to track eight, and that and again, the Coldplay they know what they're doing. They got the songs for the boys. And I got the songs for the girls. So he dropped Chris Martin drops Green Eyes track seven. And now kind of a slow churning mid-tempo ballad warning song. And this was the back-to-back. I'm going to be depressed tonight, so I'm going to listen to track seven and eight back-to-back. Green Eyes to kind of tee it up. And then warning sign with the chorus. Yeah, it's coming. Chorus. I, we'll I, get to the we'll chorus. get to the chorus. I can't even say it, but like that was it. That was enough to just get me to like stare out my window in Brooklyn and just be like, everything is wrong. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and shout out to Chris Martin who, when we get to that chorus, it's not the most inventive lyrical uh, use uh, economy of words, but he's like, it's emotion. Though. He's it's aiming for the back rafters yeah. that everyone can relate to, and you know. It's another good song. It's a great album. It's I'm great, all in. It's a great album. Holds up well, by the way. It does, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Some, some albums that you listen to from this decade, whether music changes or it's over-compressed and the sound's bad, it sounds good. It still sounds good. Kept asking, like, wait, this is 15 years ago? It kept surprising me that it yeah, was. Right. All right, here it comes. All right, pump it up, Bob. Jesus Christ, here it goes. When the truth is, I miss you. Mm. I mean, that's not fair. Mm. <laughs> that's not fair. Do you think that, and this was not written about Gwyneth Paltrow because that was, this was pre-Paltrow, but do you think Chris Martin's marriage and the subsequent unconscious coupling, is that correct? Yep. Yeah. With Paltrow helped or hurt his career? Well, I mean, I've heard you guys say you don't love, well, to some degree, his later stuff. I, I think that the breakup album for me 
brought out something entirely new from Chris Martin. And I, I don't, I haven't been through a big breakup in a long, long time. I've been married for a while, but that album of all of all of his work, for some reason, hit me hardest. So yes, I think it. I think it grew. I think it changed him. I mean, that's. I think it's good for anyone to go through this stuff. If you're a writer or a singer or whatever, to go through a couple gnarly relationships. I'll go the other direction, just in terms of public opinion, because we were talking about earlier in the show about how it's not easy to be a Coldplay fan because it's depending on how comfortable you are in, in yourself and your masculinity. It's not the easiest thing to just say, I love Coldplay. <laughs> uh, the fact that he then became almost the most famous thing about Chris Martin was Gwyneth Paltrow, who gets on a lot of people's radar as being she does. Uh, somebody that is the the epitome of a certain type yeah, of woman. The, we'll put it that way. The goop of it all, I feel like. He got there, gooped up a little bit. There's goop right. all over it. So I think it was, yeah, it was better. And off. the unconscious coupling. I know, it all got well, that's Jeez. And that's part of just the whole celebrity culture nonsense. So I think that after that, Seven eight, which is just crushing. Yeah. Again, if you're now my wife left the room by the way. Just she came here for like the heart of she knew. She knew that we were hitting all these notes. Yeah. Strategically smart. Uh that is Bob was that he hit the nail on the head in the sense that uh, those that seven eight on this album really are again t- transports you if you were the early 20s, mid-20s, and dealing with women and relationships in that time of your life. Uh, wow. Here is a whisper. Eh, this yeah. one, I don't really remember this one. I, I wrote down not doing it for me. I think the album from here sort of heads back into the shadows to some degree. I wouldn't quite agree with that, but I will say that it, it, it heads out of the more personal realm, which yeah. really feels like their wheelhouse into more broader topics and bigger sounds, which I kind of like, because again, their sound is, has made, made such a big leap in this album. I just, it's, a, it's just such a great sounding album. Uh, why don't we move on though? <laughs> I mean, that's a, yeah, song. a whisper. That not song? A, no, no, I mean, it's, it got, it got its, it's deserved nod. Listen, we, I love this album. It's not, you know, Sergeant Peppers or anything. It's not like every song needs <laughs> its own podcast. Right. right. <laughs> Uh, Nobody's arguing that. Uh, this right. is track 10. This is the penultimate track. It is A Rush of Blood to the Head. Uh, of course, that is the name of it. Let's just do it. This place and watch it Stand here beside me, baby, in the crumbling walls. Oh, I'm going to buy See, I love this place and start a fire. Oh, I know what you're waiting for, Bob. Stand here until I feel all your heart's desires Because I'm gonna buy this place and see it burn Yeah, I don't know what I'm waiting for. I just, I like the song. I think this is one that ended up on a lot of mixtapes a couple of years after this album came out. After kind of burning through all the Wait, singles. This is it, Bob. This is it. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. He's good at that. They are very good at that, like... Yeah. This is a good song, though. This is like a moody song. It's like... it's. This is very Parachutes to me. Like, this is very Sparks or uh, Shiver. Yes. Yeah. Good call. But it does... What makes it different from that album is there seems to be 
a darker kind of undercurrent to it, which did match up as we talked about 9-11. Bob and I always talk about 9-11 no matter what. I'm getting is, that sense. This does not have... Even, not even 2001. Sometimes we talk about 9-11, 2004, 9-11, 1995. September 11, guys. <laughs> we kind of got robbed on some level. It's a niche topic. It's yeah, niche when everyone else yeah. dug in on it. Uh, but it does, it does have that type of post-9-11 feel to it, which, again... A big creative leap to solve. Talking about Wilco, that's like Yankee Hotel Foxtrotty in that way. All right. All right. That takes us to the final track on A Rush of Blood to the Head, which, by the way, was released on August 8th, 2002, Amsterdam. Do you have notes on this one, Mark? My notes started to fade off a little bit. I think I, I think it. You know what? I think I just was was high. The sun burning on my face. I the think the window in the car. See, just like the last one, Bob. I like that this is another kind of moody. This is a nice song. Track and and his voice goes so well with that kind of spare piano. This is we're all Pete Coldplay to me right now. So what happened at the Rose Bowl? Mark, I think you should tell that story. Well, let's put it this way. We had a absolutely wonderful evening. Uh, well, let's on. set it in time. Let's set a place in time. Bob, you and I went to a couple different Coldplay concerts in the mid-aughts. This would be, Mark, 2015? This was last, uh, early last August, Summer of 2016? Yeah. Me and Mark, uh, buddies uh, since we started working at the NFL in 2010, took our wives again Coldplay this is part of the reason why they're so successful our wives both love Coldplay we love Coldplay what a great double date but what happened well you know and I and I, I I'm going to hear about it if I provide too many details but it let's just say that we had a wonderful time out in the Rose Bowl parking lot and maybe too much of a good time and, and we had to depart about a song in due to uh, just due to too much too much of a spirits. good time. Too, too much, much of a good, good time. time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we don't need to get too far into it, but I will say that Mark and his wife and, and me and my wife, Emily, were in two separate sections and about two songs in. And Mark and I like their later music perhaps better than you, Bob, the kind of dance, fun type Coldplay music. So in the Coldplay, in the uh, Rose Bowl, they had it was all Technicolor and everybody was like going nuts and having a good time. It was like, I'm texting Mark, I'm like, Mark, I got two open seats over here. Come roll over here. We'll have a great time together. And then I, I look at my phone and it says, yeah, we had to leave. We're looking for an Uber. And I'm like, you're looking for an Uber in the middle of Pasadena. One song into the concert. <laughs> That's the best this way. To, so in Mark's, Mark's defense, the best time to get an Uber. It, it truly is. Yeah. It truly was. It still took a, a tremendous amount. But we are going back, I believe. Is it October? September, we October? We're going to give another shot. We're going to do this Rose one right Bowl this again. time. So. Redemption. And... Uh, I think this is when the best part of the song, I think is where it kicks in, Bob. You better be right. You better be oh, fucking so right. much pressure. I don't know if I am. Oh, it's like that Oasis album. No, it wasn't <laughs> the right time. Um, I think we should uh, we should fade out and say say goodnight to Rush of Blood to the Head, don't you? I mean, we've... Yeah, I mean, we should. we got to keep moving. we got to keep moving. It makes we've... sense to, to, to move away. But if you... If you've never heard that album, I want you to know <laughs> that there is a part after that part. That does kick in. It gets real, okay. good. real good. So there you go. Tra- 11 tracks. 
uh, probably Coldplay's um, most important album of their career. And now I'll ask you guys before we before we pick uh, the essential "A Rush of Blood to the Head" song that we will add to our throwback podcast playlist. What is your favorite um, Coldplay song? Not from this album, Bob. I'll start with you. I am going to say "Shiver." That is, I think, my favorite Coldplay song. It's the one that I'll go back to and listen to at any given time. I think Track it's two, of course, on the debut album. Yeah, love that. It's just so good. It's just a kind of a perfect turn of the uh, millennium alternative rock jammer. And it's also not, it's a good choice, Bob, because it's not too on the nose. And it say yellow. Shiver, one of the great kind of deep cuts. What about you, Mark? Well, I'm going to disappoint you because I am going to say yellow because for me, it's the it's the moment. I'm dis- deeply I'm disappointed. disappointed. I'm not disappointed. It's the That's... moment that Coldplay entered my world, and it's I don't I I think they've they've grown and they produced better music than that. But it's my favorite song, and there's a little bit of a difference there. But warning sign on this album is very close for me. Yeah, uh, this. This is definitely the album that this is how I got into Coldplay. I think most people say the same thing. Uh, it's a banger, forever. All right, Dan, what's yours? I will say it is the uh, I think their only number one hit uh, in Great on the Billboard charts. And I really do because they did. This is Viva La Vida, of course. This was the album X and Y came out after Rush of Blood, and this is a banger of an album, especially. Uh, if you like Brian Eno produced albums, he took them in a weirder, kind of atmospheric place. And this is, to me, Viva La Vida, would be my favorite non Russia Blood to the Head song. Which takes us to Bob, the main event. <laughs> Big build up. <laughs> so, what's it going to be? We listen to A Russia Blood to the Head, all 11 tracks. We need to add one song to our Spotify playlist, which already has. Some fabulous music. I think we have to go with Dilemma by Nelly. (laughs) (laughs) It's in the mix. Dilemma or Mark, I want to give you the uh, the honor of nominating the song. And uh, let's see. Let's see if we agree. Should we just let Mark choose it? It's big. I believe I have faith in Mark choosing the song and I'll I'll walk with him. You guys work together. You spend your entire days together. You know this man better probably than anybody else on the planet. I mean, it's a playlist. If, there, if, if there's a song on there that you don't agree with, we'll live. But I'm, I'm going The Scientist. Wow, okay. Do we not agree? No. How can you... I mean, that is, on some level, like the definitive Coldplay song. So I'm totally down with that. Okay. Bob? Can't argue it. I mean, okay. it, you know, couldn't make people cry. Couldn't make me cry in a big spot. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's my goal. All right. So the scientist is on the throwback playlist. You can find it on Spotify. We'll tweet it out from the Throwback Pod Twitter at Throwback Pod. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, go to iTunes. Give us five stars. That's uh, important, by the way. It's important, and uh, <laughs> it shouldn't be. It's I mean, or stupid. two, or two. No, no they, let's the guys go. At, the guys at Headgum said like we should get five. I hate this because, Bob, uh, Mark, on the Around the NFL podcast, we feel like we have to kowtow to uh, iTunes Nation for the same reason. It's And it's like, 
please give us five stars. There's something pathetic about it, but it matters. So if you if you like what you're hearing, if you want us to keep doing it, please. We, we, yeah, we just got to we got to think of something fun to do for like five star reviews. We'll we'll talk offline. Get the algorithm about this. pumping. Get that algorithm. Pump that al- algorithm. We'll pump it. Uh, yeah. So do that and check us out at Throwback Pod. Uh, the Spotify playlist, you can get that. Did you say this already? Yep, said this all. I mean, if you listened, we would save so much time on this podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it doesn't hurt to hear it. Again. I'm thinking about my ex girlfriend right now, <laughs> kind of in a weird head spot, headspace. So, uh, until then, uh, while I work through this emotional wreckage in my brain, uh, be brave. you know, seatbelt off, flying through the windshield of my own mind's eye. Uh, check it, uh, check back next week, every Thursday. The Throwback Podcast. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. What a pleasure. And uh, you have your own satellite podcast. Please uh, let the people know. Uh, it's called the Heat and Light Pod with Connor Orr. And it's it's about 14 to 15 minutes long. And I will provide further details on where to find it. Still trying to figure that but out. But on iTunes, for it's sure. It's on iTunes. It is, yes. And also leave five stars or two. I'd say leave one or two. Like, keep us humble. <laughs> Sit down. Uh, yeah, so check out Mark. And, of course, on the Around the NFL podcast and read them at NFL.com. Uh, until next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.